Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of CAV Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and I want to give you guys a little bit of information about me before we begin. I'm currently a college student at Texas Tech University. I have a major in sport management with a double minor in political science and communication studies. So ultimately what it means is that I'm studying a lot of the business side of sports along with being a sports fan. I also know how to communicate with people and a little bit of law. So it kind of just really depends on how what you take. But welcome to the first episode. We have a lot to discuss and there's a lot of things that happen in the news of sports. But for now, we're going to be focusing on football, specifically the NFL. And I want to give you guys full transparency about this. And it's just it's a big thing for me. Uh, Baker Mayfield recently got released by the Carolina Panthers earlier in the week. They decided to move on from Baker Mayfield, which I thought was a little weird. It was in the middle of the season. It should have been waited till the end of the season. It, like that felt like that's something that should have been tackled a little later. And you never know with PJ Walker getting injured. Um, Sam Darnold, you're not sure what you have with him. And they should have kept him, but it has been released today that my man Baker Mayfield's going to LA from sea to shining sea. He is going to the Rams, which I think is a pretty smart pickup by the Rams. And as you don't know, the LA Rams right now are struggling with quarterback after their Super Bowl win last year, Matthew Stafford. This season has just not been it for them with the Odell Beckham Jr. departing and basically the ball going to Cooper Cup all the time this season. It just hasn't been a great start for the offense for the LA Rams, especially just coming off a big Super Bowl win last year. They're definitely feeling the Super Bowl hangover. And now with Matthew Stafford, with all the concussions that he's been getting, I believe it is pretty smart that the LA Rams are going to be sitting Matthew Stafford probably the rest of the season just so he doesn't end up with any more serious injuries because everyone knows that once you get one concussion, it's easy to get more and more, and it's definitely a safety issue. So I congrats the LA Rams for that. But picking up Baker Mayfield through waiver claims is probably – going to be huge for them and here's why they are a QB needy uh, organization right now they have the potential to possibly make the playoffs they're not out of it there's no way they're out especially with how it's going right now I believe the leader is the Seattle Seahawks or the 49ers they're right there with them and the LA Rams are not that far behind so it is smart for them to get Baker Mayfield now I know the criticisms that are coming I really do that Baker Mayfield was horrible this year and being a Baker Mayfield fan myself, I will be the first to agree with you. He did not have a great season this year. He really didn't. There's no way to try to debate that. If you, if you really, really tried hard, you possibly can. But there isn't no way. Of some of his stats right here, he only passed for 1,313 yards, which is 32nd in the NFL. Six touchdown passes were thrown, which made him 31st. He was almost last. But only six interceptions. He was 10th in the league with, with that low of interceptions, which is pretty – I thought that was pretty impress impressive because it lowered his turnover ratio, but still only six touchdowns to show for it was not good. And with a QBR of 18, and for any of you that know how QBR works, QBR, if you're above 50 and above, that means you're average to pretty good. If you're below 50, that's not a good sign for you as a quarterback. So with that, overall this season, Baker Mayfield was not that good for the Carolina Panthers. But here's my thing. The Carolina Panthers were not – uh, necessarily in the great position this year in the preseason rankings they were ranked last in the nfl they were probably projected to get the first overall pick in this upcoming draft they brought in baker mayfield because they did not believe in sam darnold and it was pretty evident because they started pj walker for aaron uh my bad sam darnold when he got hurt and pj walker did you know well enough to get them some wins but they were still not going to be great going into this year their offensive line was ranked flat towards the back end of the NFL. And Baker Mayfield was coming into an organization that is just, they're about to be in rebuild mode. They were on the fence with Matt Rule going into the season. This was Matt Rule's make or break season coming into this. And then with him bringing in Baker Mayfield, maybe bringing a little QB matchup, kind of build that competitive edge. And it worked because Baker Mayfield outplayed Sam Darnold. But that did not, portray going into the into the regular season and getting rid of uh, Christian McCaffrey a little bit in the middle of the season was I think a big loss to Baker Mayfield because that was that is arguably their best player on the whole organization is Christian McCaffrey and they traded him away to the 49ers before the deadline what did that do 
that took away Baker Mayfield's strongest game, which is the running back. And for what we saw in Cleveland, one of his more successful seasons was during the pandemic year in 2020. Some of the stats he had was he threw for over 3,000 yards, 3,513 to be exact. He threw 26 touchdowns to only eight interceptions that year with a QB rating of 95 and a QBR of 65, which means he was above average, but the numbers don't lie. He did pretty good with a strong running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to back him up. This season, they took away his best running back. They traded away Robbie Anderson. Now, with Robbie Anderson, though, I know he was already a little skeptic about Baker Mayfield coming in because when you look at it uh, earlier in the season, whenever it was reported that the Carolina Panthers were seeking Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield to him was a big no. And he even posted that on Instagram or Twitter, and it blew up with him saying no. And I thought, why? You're not good. You're not in a position to make that kind of demand. You guys don't have a good quarterback. Why not try someone else? in Baker Mayfield, who has proven he can be in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. I think people need to remember, he got Cleveland to the playoffs. For the first time in a long time, they got to the playoffs with him, and everyone says he wasn't a good quarterback. He got to the playoffs with the Cleveland Browns, one of the most dysfunctional organizations. Now probably the commanders take that helm, but at the time, the Browns were not the greatest either. But they got to the playoffs, and he won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and blew them out. Along with their defense, he was able to blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers and it was uh, was really close to beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the playoffs. He actually was. At first, they didn't look good, but then it got better and they almost pulled off the upset win against the Chiefs when they went to the playoffs that year. So coming into the Carolina Panthers, who are not, not the best this season and just how downhill it went, it's very shocking that they, and that's why I said earlier, it's very shocking that they decided to release Baker Mayfield, not even towards the end of the season, or at least let him finish up the remainder of his contract. And everyone that comes with the report saying that, well, he's not a great locker room guy, you know, not many people probably didn't like him being there. I don't believe that because it has been reported by one of the players and more. This was just the most notable one. Uh, Shaq Barrett, the linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, probably the, their defensive leader on the team, probably locker room leader, even stated, we like Baker. I like Baker. So everyone likes Baker in the locker room. So that was never the problem of his character. He obviously can rub off on people. He has that kind of charisma, that swagger to him. But I think with the low confidence and kind of the setup the organization had for Baker, it, he was never going to succeed. And I knew that that was going to be what was going to happen to Baker Mayfield. Now, with him going to the Rams, I think it's going to open a lot of doors because now he's working with a better offensive line, a better defense in Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, all those studs over there, and Allen Robinson. Now he has actual weapons that he can use to try to get the Rams into the playoffs. And I fully believe he has the potential to get the Rams into the playoffs if they try to at least win out the rest of the season and hope that Seattle or the 49ers start losing some games. With that, though, it is going to take some time for Baker to probably learn their offense. It's going to be very different from how Matt Rule and the new coach in the Carolina Panthers ran their system. I know Sean McVay is a little more pass-heavy. He's a very offensive-minded guy. And I feel that Sean McVay will actually get the best out of Baker Mayfield because he helped get uh, Jared Goff to be a really good quarterback whenever Jared Goff was with the Rams, and they got to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. And then they got last year with Matthew Stafford when they got him from Detroit. Now, everyone knows Matthew Stafford was great when he was with Detroit. It's just Detroit wasn't the best team out there. But now with a new guy coming in in Baker Mayfield, it's going to be a little exciting for the Rams. I believe they stated that he's flying out today to go meet with the Rams, start practicing with the team, get a little handle of the playbook, and he may play this Thursday against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'll make sure to get to that game later on in the podcast. Next up, I want to talk about some team, uh, some week 13 games that happened that kind of caught my eye. So we're going to be talking about the Browns and Houston, the Ravens and the Broncos, the Buccaneers and the Saints on Monday Night Football, the Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts, and also the Browns and, uh, sorry, the Chiefs and the Bengals. First off, the Browns versus Houston. That was Deshaun Watson's return to the NFL. He is now back after two years of not playing. You know, obviously with him being in Houston, he was holding out for a contract. And then on top of that, 
he has his outside the NFL problems with the, all the, scam, the big scandal he had against him. And now he's finally back to play on the football field. I have one word for how Deshaun Watson performed, and that's called rusty. You can tell in that game he was not comfortable with the offense. He had a hard time getting the concept of what they wanted to do, and you can just tell. It even says in the stats, he passed for 131 yards. He was 12 for 22, so he passed about 54.5 for completion percentage, and he ran for 21 yards, and he had an interception. Now, you may be wondering, then how was it, how high of a score and how did they beat Houston that bad? They had great play from their defense who had two take two takeaways to score and a punt return touchdown from Peoples Jones for 76 yards. Now, when you have that kind of recipe, of course you're going to win. Defense has two takeaways that lead the scores and a great special teams play. How are you not going to win that game? Especially if you're that rusty. Now, I do like that he did come back against the Houston Texans who are a lesser team compared to the uh, Browns, especially with Deshaun Watson coming back. But like I said, he was just rusty, and you can straight up tell in his play. And that's the problem when you miss two years of football because of outside problems, negotiating contracts, holding out. That's what's going to happen when you don't play. You may be skillful in this sport. Deshaun Watson has a lot of skills, and we've all seen it in Houston. But when you're away from the game for two years, yeah, you could be working out, you know, getting small passes, getting warm-ups with the players. I know he was able to practice in the preseason to kind of get his get the ball rolling with him, but that's not the same as being on the field. It really isn't. You can study the game all you want, but it's a matter of if you get on the field, that's how you're going to learn, you know, what to expect. You know, you're going to re- be able to read the defenses, make sure you can, you know, get the line to slide in the right uh, protection hot routes to wide receivers, audibles, you know, Mike linebackers coming up. Is it blitz? Is it cup? Or is it a bluff? Something like that. You got to get on the field to do that. There's no way you can do that on your couch negotiating or while you're waiting for the NFL to give you your statement of how long you're going to be gone. And that was very evident that he just wasn't ready to play. Now, personally, I think that they, if they were going to go with the suspension for 11 games, they should have probably waited another week to get him caught up, to get him practiced with everything just because he just kind of came back and they threw him into the game. Now, luckily it was against the Texans. It wasn't against anybody tougher, but it's still something that you got to understand that he is Deshaun Watson. You're paying him $250 million, but he hasn't played football in two years. He's going to look rusty and it may take not just one game, maybe multiple games. You got to get him up to speed. Now with Deshaun though, he does have talent. Jarvis Landry, or not Jarvis Landry, sorry. Uh, Peoples Jones and all those guys, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. He's going to be fine. I really do. It's going to be enough to get at least the rust off him. At least he has some kind of weapons. And the defense in Cleveland is is pretty good. They, they, can withhold, they can stand their own. But in this end of the term of the NFL, trying to make the playoffs, I don't know if, if it's going to be enough to get them into the wild card because I don't know if they'll actually beat the Bengals. I believe they're playing the Bengals this week, and uh, we will get to that, especially on the hot street the Bengals are going. But Deshaun needs to probably get more games until he's actually comfortable and in rhythm. Next up, another game that caught my eye was the Ravens and the Broncos. Now, the reason why is Lamar Jackson got hurt in the game, and that is the worst possible situation that could happen to Lamar Jackson right now, and that's for two words contract year he is fighting for a big contract i know he's been negotiating with the baltimore ravens to try to get him some kind of long-term deal to keep him especially after deshaun watson broke the market for quarterbacks which we'll talk about that in another episode with him his giant contract that who knows if he may have deserved and not even sure if he was going to be able to play to receive it but now with that bar being so high for quarterback pay they are now going to have that problem with the rest of the league, especially top quarterbacks that have proven themselves like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's won an MVP. He's gotten the Ravens to the playoffs. Now they someone needs to pay him something. He wants a long-term contract, and he wants a big contract. But this is why him being hurt is going to hurt. No pun intended on that one. It's going to be bad for him. Because now the Ravens see he can get injured by the style of his play. He's not a traditional, I'm not going to try to get hurt, try to last as long as I can. He runs the ball. He runs the read option. He gets tackled by linebackers, defensive linemen, uh, the safeties, corners, anybody will hit him. And that is going to tend to cause injury. And now that he's gotten hurt, 
and he's going to be out for about one to three weeks. It's really going to depend on the sprain of his, uh, the sprain that he received. Now it's going to be a problem because the Ravens are going to see he's injured. Now he can get injured. Now we don't know if we should give him a contract because if we give him a big contract and he tears something when he comes back or when he comes back next year and tears something, now we're wasting a big investment, which is going to be the problem because this is contract year for Lamar. This may lead to possibly the Baltimore Ravens looking for another option. Now, with him being injured, though, I do think that Harbaugh should really consider changing up his offensive scheme with Lamar. It's great that he wants to use his athleticism. He's probably the most athletic quarterback in the NFL right now that can run it. He has the juking abilities, spinning abilities, great arm. But he needs to understand that he needs to keep himself good for the whole length of his career, not for just a short amount of time, especially since those injuries will tend to pile up. That mobility is going to be gone for Lamar, and he's going to have to revert to just his passing game. So with that, I think Harbaugh should look into probably changing up his scheme because he cannot afford for this star of a quarterback to have his career cut short because they are running the ball with him. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it is smart. Use his athleticism to the max. But you also got to keep in mind that you kind of need him for probably a long period of time, especially if you're going to negotiate such a long contract, such a lengthy contract and a lot of money into this quarterback. So with the marketing hurt, this is going to definitely impact going into the contract negotiations. But for now, for the first week, uh, three weeks that they're probably going to be without Lamar, they're going to have to revert to Huntley. Now, I do understand that Huntley kind of has a similar play style as Lamar. He's a runner. He can gun the ball. But I haven't seen enough of Huntley to be actually confident that he can lead this team at least until Lamar gets back and possibly get, get them to the playoffs or at least secure them in a playoff spot. So this is what I think the Ravens are going to need to do going into these next possible three weeks with this. Kenyon Drake's going to have to get more touches and Gus Edwards. They're going to have to run the ball. You don't have uh, that top wide receiver with y'all. Uh, Rashad Bateman, he's out for the year. Mark Andrews is your top wide receiver slash tight end you have on the team. You're going to have to probably rely on your running backs in the run game, which, which is a big hurt for the Baltimore Ravens, but that's just what they're going to have to do for now. And like I said, I haven't seen Huntley play enough to trust him with the, with the offense, you know, especially with their scheme with Lamar. I know he can run and gun it, but I haven't seen enough personally. Now, Harbaugh might be confident in him and try to run it, run the same offensive scheme with Huntley. But that's what I'm going to think that they're going to have to probably rely on more is Kenyon Drake and Gus Edwards and the running backs that they have there to get them by for the next one to three weeks without Lamar. And also the defense is going to have to step up a little bit more this season. Not that I'm saying that they're not they're playing bad. They're playing great. There's Obviously, there's some games where you know it's a little better than others. But now with Lamar gone, they're going to have to figure out a way to elevate their defense to kind of hold the opposing teams to lower points so that way – Huntley can try to thrive in this offense and get the running game and stuff like that. Now, with the defense, though, they're going to, like Derek said, they're going to have to rely on themselves. And also, the offense is just going to have to, you know, win in time of possession to try to keep the defense off, or even the defense has to get those three and outs against those teams. Next up, I'm going to talk about the Broncos. Um, I'm not very surprised that they lost. I don't know what's gone on with the Broncos. They had such a promising year this year and it fell on their face after the first couple weeks of the season now russell wilson's a good quarterback i think that's something we need to get out of the way right now he is a good quarterback it's a new team new coach he's got to get used to it but where i draw the line on this is that he needs to figure something out now him and the coach gotta gotta pair up they gotta link up they gotta find a way to work together because it's clear night and day what is going on. There is either no communication, someone's not getting something right, the offense isn't moving well enough as it should be. So everyone's starting to wonder what's going on. Is it Russell Wilson? Is it the coach? Is it any of the offensive players? And, you know, at first it was Melvin Gordon. Everyone kind of started pointing the finger at Melvin Gordon because he's getting paid some money, but he's not running the ball as good. They cut him and they're still not winning any games. So I think that... The Broncos are just going to have to call it a year. Like, Broncos country, let's ride in the next year. That's going to have to be your motto for the rest of the season because I don't see them catching the Bengals or the Chiefs. I don't think realistically they're going to catch them or possibly make the wild card as well as they're playing right now. 
So we're going to have to see what the Broncos are going to do next year. They may have to fire their coach or they're going to have to figure something out. Like hopefully they can for next season, but right now their season is basically over. I don't see them trying to even make it into the hunt. I don't see them winning enough games to even get close to the wild card, especially just how poor the offense has been working this year. And now I wouldn't say deactivate Russell Wilson because he hasn't been injured this this season, as far as my knowledge, or up to this point. Um, knock on wood, he stays uh, injury-free. But it's just something they're going to have to do for the Broncos. There's no other way to do this. They're going to have to just call it a year, try to get through the, the rest of the year as best they can. But going into next season, they're going to have to figure something out, either a new coach, figure out something with Russ and the offense. That's just I think that's the biggest problem right now is their offense. Their offense is not up to par with it is, what it was expected to be. And that was arguably to argue with to argue that they were supposed to be as good as the Chiefs are, especially with the Chiefs losing as many pieces as they did. But now the Chiefs are up here and the Broncos are down here with the Raiders. And it's clear night as day. So we'll just have to see next season what is going to happen with the Broncos and what ends up happening the rest of the season. Next game, though. Speaking of the Chiefs, they are now 0-3 against Joe Shiesty Burrow. I thought that was uh, honestly a great game. It really was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, you know, gun, uh, showing out for each other, trying to make sure that Patrick Mahomes can at least get a win over Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow said no and did it without Joe Mixon, mind you. He did it with uh, P. Ryan, I believe. And I thought that was very incredible. He did have Jamar Chase back, but they still have a lot of weapons. And I think Joe Burrow did a great job. He absolutely deserved to win the game. Now, do I think it's going to hurt Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race? I don't think so because it wasn't like he got blown out by their defense. It wasn't like anything that they have to be super concerned about, nor does it have to be something that is going to be in question for the Chiefs going into the playoffs. I think that the Bengals are a pretty good team. They're tough. Their quarterback is playing great this year. Even after a rocky start to the beginning when he threw a couple early picks in the season, but now he kind of figured it out and is in his groove. And he's they're one of the hot teams right now in the NFL, especially beating the Kansas City Chiefs, who are projected to probably make the Super Bowl this year. I think the Chiefs just have to come up with something to fight against the Bengals or the defense has to figure out something. Because I know Jamar Chase is already a lot to handle. Jamar Chase is top five at best wide receiver. Worst, like absolute worst, do you think he's top 10? Which I don't think so. He's, he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL right now. And then with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that's just a trio you don't ever want to see with all those three great wide receivers. And then they have good running backs. They obviously made some improvements to the offensive line. Their defense is good enough to hold other teams to win the games. So the, the Bengals, I don't know if they'll make another run to the Super Bowl like they did last year. I think they were one of the bigger shocks of the season last year. But they will have a, they will win enough to at least get into the playoffs. They could probably make the AFC Championship, but I'm not too sure. It's going to really depend on how Joe Burrow plays the rest of the season, how the rest of the AFC works out. And then with the Chiefs, they're going to win their division. No, no problem. I really don't think that the Raiders are even going to come close. The Broncos for sure. I would say maybe the Chargers, but I don't think the Chargers are going to even catch the Chiefs just because I don't think uh, Justin Herbert is a good quarterback, but I also don't think that they're going to do enough with him to get to pass Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're 6-6 six and six right now. They're trying to get into the wild card, or they probably are in the wild card, and it's just something that they're going to have to figure out themselves as well because the Chargers are trying to catch the Chiefs, but they're not, and the Bengals just knocked them off. So we're going to just have to wait and see how that division works out. Now, next up, the game, Sunday Night Football. Now, I have to put this out as a disclaimer to everybody out there listening, listening in or watching. But how about them Cowboys? 54 to 19, 33 points in the fourth quarter against the Indianapolis Colts. How about them Cowboys? I do have some crucial things about what happened in the game that I saw is a little bit of a concern. That was a concern here. The Colts did score 19 points on arguably the best defense or one of the best defenses in the NFL right now. One of the routes, I can't, I am blanking on the receiver's name, torched Trayvon Diggs. They were able to move the ball with Jonathan Taylor, which it is evident that the Cowboys defense does struggle a little bit against a strong running game. But obviously, why do you run the ball? It's a pass. So 
whenever that started happening, and then Pierce, the rookie wide receiver who's a stud in his own, caught another touchdown. It was now 19-21. The Colts were not out of the game, like, at all. It wasn't like one of those games where the Cowboys were up so many points and then they scored, you know, at the end. It wasn't like that. The first three quarters, it was a tight race. When I was watching the game, I was on the edge of my seat. You know, Dak, Dak was playing decent, but he wasn't playing up to the level where he should be. Uh, the defense was giving up drives to go downfield for the Colts. Now, obviously, in the fourth quarter is when everything turned, forcing five turnovers, which is pretty immaculate. If your defense can force five turnovers and make some of them scores, that's a recipe to win. And then, obviously, at that point, the Colts had to give up and concede, and then Matt Ryan not playing to the level he's at. But to stay on with the Cowboys, the defense is going to have to try to figure out what they're going to want to do with the run game. They're going to have to either get bigger bodies in there or more blitzes because that's the only way they're going to have to go up against these run games, especially going into the playoffs, especially if they're going to go up against the Philadelphia Eagles of in the playoffs. They go up against the Vikings again, the 49ers who have Christian McCaffrey, and then the Buccaneers, which is likely who they're going to be facing off in the in the wild card round unless the Eagles drop the ball at the end of the season. But we'll get to that on another date. But the Cowboys have to stop the run. That's going to be the only way they're going to be able to figure out how, you know, how to continue to be successful this season. Obviously, they can, they can rush the passer. They're one of the best teams in the NFL, arguably, arguably the best, at rushing the passer. They can get to the quarterback. Kirk Cousins knows that better than anyone against the Minnesota Vikings. They blew out the Vikings. And now Matt Ryan knew it. They got to Matt Ryan. Also, with three sacks, they were able to, you know, get the QB hits, QB, you know, getting the QB to rush, rush his progressive, uh, progressions. But just running the ball, especially with a strong running back like Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor was able to get yards. Granted, they held him to 80. But still, you're going to face tougher running games going into the playoffs. So I think that's really the one thing Dan Quinn needs to go into the, go into the office and kind of think about is how is he going to create a different scheme. Now, going into the offense. Dak looked a little slow in the beginning just because, you know, he was missing passes. He threw the one uh, interception to Stephon Gilmore, who absolutely bullied Michael Gallup. I'll be, I'll be one to admit it. He bullied Michael Gallup. And I will give the Colts this kind of credit because um, I think somebody brought it up, one of the broadcasters brought this up, is that they created a scheme that I thought was actually pretty, pretty smart. They put uh, Stephon Gilmore against Michael Gallup. They took away the second option for Dak Prescott. So it's either he has to rush his progressions and his reads to get to either a tight end or he has to force it to CeeDee Lamb, which honestly I thought was a pretty smart idea. I would have never thought of that as a defensive coordinator to put your best corner on their sec- on the second option like, for a quarterback because now they have to either get one or three. And typically when you get to – typically you get to one and two and possibly three, maybe four if you get good uh, pass protection from your offensive line. So I thought that was really smart. Then obviously Kellen Moore thought of a way to work around it whenever he would bring C.D. Lamb in motion, either run a jet sweep or have a motion out. So that way Stephon Gilmore would have to bite on C.D. Lamb, and then that would give Michael Gallup a matchup against um, probably not as good of a defensive back or a linebacker where he can open up and run down the middle. I thought Kellen Moore did a great job on that. But I will give the Colts credit on that. That was a pretty smart defensive tactic. I never would have thought of that. I was kind of more excited to see Stephon Gilmore go up against C.D. Lamb. But with that kind of defensive that defensive changeup, that, that was pretty intelligent on the Colts' part, which led to the interception Dak Prescott threw. And Stephon Gilmore getting the interception and just bullying Michael Gallup, it kind of showed that he was kind of not freaking out, but he was trying to rush his progressions or he knew, okay, Michael Gallup might not get open or we got to figure out how to get the offense to get either him open or – Give, you know, either get me more options or just run the ball, which is majority what they did. They ran the ball. Tony Pollard is having a breakout season this year. And Ezekiel Elliott's starting to look a little bit like old Zeke, especially with that that two-punch combo that they have there in the backfield. But Dak Prescott cannot start off a game that slow going into playoffs or going into into the rest of the season, especially against the Philadelphia Eagles or if they're going to have to go up against the Buccaneers again or – Sorry, or if they have to go with the 49ers defense, who they probably have, if not the Cowboys, they have the top defense in the NFL. And they're going to have to deal with that. Dak Prescott cannot start off the game really slow and hope the defense can force five turnovers. Because it's not a guarantee. 
especially if you're going to go up against someone like the Eagles going into playoffs. More than likely, they're going to, if they win the wild card round, they're going to see the Eagles at some point in time. And just Dak can't start off slow like that. And he can't afford to have that many mistakes, at least interceptions-wise. Because he has, I believe, six now in, this, uh, in the first seven games or the whole season. He has six interceptions. And that was one of the problems that he was having whenever he came back from his hand injury was interceptions. He kept throwing, the, kept throwing too many picks. And I think he just needs to fix that. And then, honestly, he will, he will be fine. You know, not rush his progressions, not force the ball to CeeDee Lamb. And he will be perfectly fine. The offense, the offense works to a tune already. But I think if Dak can limit the mistakes, they will definitely thrive, and they'll probably get far in the playoffs this year, possibly Super Bowl. I mean, I'm always Super Bowl this year, which will may happen with Odell. But I'll get to Odell in a second. Now, with the Indianapolis Colts, I honestly feel bad for what's going on this season. I know Frank Wright; they were excited when they brought in Matt Ryan. They traded to get him from Atlanta. And he was always saying that I want to leave Atlanta. I want to go somewhere else. But how the season has gone, you know, Jonathan Taylor got hurt. I believe he, he's not playing up to the level. He, we know he, we know he could play at Matt Ryan is looking like what Tom Brady should look like, you know, as a 40 year old quarterback that is not, just can't hang anymore. They even benched him halfway through the season for Sam Ellinger, which was not a great idea as it turns out. And now Matt Ryan came back and he had five, arguably like most of the turnovers uh, during the game. Now, I think what the Colts should do, obviously they got rid of Frank, Frank Reich and brought in Jeff Saturday. I think Jeff Saturday, he just brings that energy to the locker room. Clearly the guys rally around him. He's like that old school, like, hey, come to work, you know, work hard, all that good stuff. I mean, he was there for the Peyton Manning years. And, but I don't think he should be the head coach right now. I think if he's going to be anything, maybe like a coordinator or something, I don't know where the decision came from to get Jeff Saturday. That just blew everyone out of his mind away. But I think that they should probably move on from Matt Ryan, not trade him away or release him. But I think they should probably look into Nick Foles because Nick Foles is there. I don't know if they want to go to Sam Ellinger, just kind of see what else they have with this, with this young quarterback. But I think they should move to Nick Foles. At this point, there's not much else the Colts honestly can lose. Like they, this means can't get any worse for the Indianapolis Colts aside of injuries. Knock on wood, no one gets hurt for that team. But Nick Foles might be the quarterback you may have to move on to for now. At least you can win a couple more games or at least see what you got in Nick Foles. Because in case Nick Foles can run that offense at least, you know, well enough to get you some more wins, you know, make yourself a little more respectable in the AFC, then I think the Colts should really think about that and then move on from Matt Ryan, just because you can just tell this season, Matt Ryan has not been playing like Matty Ice that we've seen him, not the MVP like he was whenever they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl that year. He's just not. He's looking like a washed-up quarterback that probably should call it quits. I don't know if he'll call it quits after the end of the season. He may think about it after what happened this season, but I think the Colts should really look into probably starting Nick Foles or maybe start quarterback hunting next season, whether that be through the draft or – you know, they may want to go with Sam Ellinger and try it again with Sam or somebody else because they have enough weapons to run a good offense. You know, Quentin Nelson, the lineman, who's the leader of that whole offensive line group. And then Michael Pittman, Pierce, the rookie out of Cincinnati, looks like a stud. He looks like he's going to be a star from what I saw against the Cowboys whenever he made the touchdown play. He was getting open against a pretty good defense. So, they have the talent, and then Jonathan Taylor, obviously, and they have a decent enough defense. I know uh, they lost a, a linebacker. I'm blanking on his name. But they have a good enough defense because they were, like I said, they were holding the Cowboys to only 21 points. They weren't out of the game. And some of their games, they were not out. But I think Matt Ryan is probably going to be the issue if they move on from him. It may get better. I mean, it may not. But I think that Matt, if they move away from Matt Ryan, things will get a little bit better for the Colts. And they may have to start QB hunting. Like I said, maybe in the draft, maybe not. Maybe try to get someone in waivers or in free agency. Hey, Baker Mayfield might be available. I'm just saying. He might be available. If he can get the Rams at least maybe to the playoffs, I would think about Baker Mayfield. But I think next week the Colts should go with Nick Foles. Now, the Odell story. Everyone is wondering where Odell Beckham is going. He met with the Bills, the Giants, and the Cowboys. And as a Cowboys fan, I would love to have Odell. I know Michael. I know everyone says Michael Gallup, CD Lab. Why do you need Odell? 
We're going into the playoff against some really good defenses. And seeing what he did in the Super Bowl, if he would have never got hurt, he possibly would have won Super Bowl MVP. He scored the first touchdown for the LA Rams. And he was getting Coop, uh, he was getting Carter open. They were getting, he was helping the offense. Whenever he fell, that's when the offense was slowing down in the Super Bowl. And Cooper Cup was not just, he wasn't, he had to fight his way to get open. So I think with him coming in, he's going to be able to help open the offense. Because now, not only do you have to guard CeeDee Lamb, who is now showing he, he's a number one. You know, I know early on in the season, he was kind of struggling to be number one. And now he's being, he's shown he can be number one material. But I think Odell will help open it up because defenses are starting to try to cover CD or even try to cover Michael Gallup. And with Odell Beckham there, it's going to open the offense to a lot more. Although, now it has been reported that Odell Beckham Jr. is now, he may not be as healthy as we thought. There have been concerns about his recovery uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. They have stated that they did a physical on him, and it seems like his ACL tear has not been recovering as well as it should. And that's not good because they're thinking he may not play till mid-January. Well, there's a possibility the Cowboys not, may not make it to mid-January. So that is going to be the issue going into this, is that if Odell is healthy, let's get him. But if he is not, then that is a big concern because now that it's being reported that he's not as healthy as everyone thought it because I thought maybe the ACL healed up or it's healing enough to where he can play. Now we're not even sure if he can play. So I think that is starting to be concerned, and maybe the Giants might back off of it after hearing that, and maybe the Bills. But I know the Cowboys are just – they just want to make sure he can play this season because there's no point in getting him now and then waiting. He has, he can't play till next season because that's just wasting money and salary cap. And I completely agree. That's just a complete waste. So I think the Cowboys are now looking into seeing if they're going to even sign Odell. I know he's been hinting that – more than likely I'll sign with the Cowboys, but, you know, Jerry Jones has to protect his investment. You know, he's trying to see and make sure, is this person or this player really worth uh, putting in all this money for, especially since Odell wants a long-term deal. So we're just going to have to wait and see on that development. Uh, like I said, the health thing is now a concern to not only Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, but the, now the Cowboys nation of, well, is he going to even gonna play for playoffs? Now we're not sure. Now we have no idea. So we're just going to have to wait and see what develops with that. All right, so next up, and our topic is going to be a kind of a controversial thing that has shook the college football world is the national champion selections on Sunday. So these are the teams that are going to the playoffs this year for the national championship. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, in that order. Now, I know the biggest thing is why was Alabama not picked? and I don't think they should have been picked for one of the main reasons. Nine and two. They lost two games. If you look at everybody else's record, Georgia undefeated, of course. Michigan blew out Ohio State and Purdue to remain undefeated. TCU lost in the championship game against Kansas State. They lost by an inch. It wasn't like they lost by a blowout. It wasn't that they lost by, you know, Matt Duggan getting hurt, and now, you know, everything got blown up. They didn't lose the last game of the season. They lost the Big 12 championship by an inch in overtime. And you can tell TCU really wanted that game, specifically Matt Duggan. Uh, Max Duggan, my bad. Max Duggan has completely earned his, you know, his title of Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12 with the amount of heart he played. And it was just shown in that, in that Big 12 championship game when he ran for 95 yards to set his team up. He plays with a lot of heart, and this TCU team throughout the season has played with a lot of heart. There was a lot of games where they probably should have lost. A big one that comes to mind is probably Baylor. Like, Baylor, that was Baylor's game to win. They had them on the ropes. But, obviously, they played with a little more, you know, they wanted a little bit more, and they were able to move down the field and kick a field goal in the last second like that, and they remained undefeated. Obviously, they came back against Kansas State down 18 points to win it uh, in the regular season. So TCU has earned that kind of right to be there. So now, do I think they should have been number three? I honestly thought that with Selection Sunday coming up, I thought they were going to be put at four because of the one loss they got. And I felt that they should have not been kicked out completely because I'm just losing. They lost the 
the Big 12 championship. Now, here's some of the arguments I've heard before, is that USC lost their championship. But hold on. USC lost their championship in a big way. They didn't lose by an inch. They didn't lose by, you know, going into OT. They lost 44 to 24, if I'm correct on that score. They lost by a big margin. They, they did against Utah, who was not even the top 10 team. They were a top 15 team in the country. And that was not a good look for them. And if that was going to be the case for TCU, if USC lost in overtime, it would have been a whole other story. Then it would have been, well, you know, maybe like drop, T you know, drop TCU to four, put someone at three. But they got blown out. They did. It was not even close to a game. And that that's probably what the committee took into consideration with everything, is that TCU lost by an inch. USC lost by a big score. Or, yeah, USC, sorry. And Caleb Williams just didn't play good that game, and it probably hurt his Heisman stock, but USC just didn't win that well. Now with Alabama, they were 9-2. and two. They didn't even go to the SEC championship. They did not. They did not go. You know the team that went with Georgia? LSU, the team that beat them earlier in the season, the team that was not even ranked top 10, top 15. They were a top 20 in the nation and got their butts blown out by Georgia. So if Alabama would have made at least the SEC championship, I think that would have been a better, a little bit of a stronger argument that maybe they should put them in, give them the rematch, or maybe if they would have not lost against LSU, maybe just Tennessee, then you probably have a bigger, a bigger and a better argument. But Alabama lost two games, and they went down. Now, Tennessee was well, – I believe when they lost to Tennessee, that's whenever Tennessee was at the height of their uh, superiority in the SEC and in the conference football world – or the – sorry, the college football world. But after they – after Tennessee kind of started crumbling down at the end of the season, they already beat Alabama, and then LSU came in and beat Alabama as well. You should not get into the college football playoff just on name alone. That does – that's not – make any sense to anybody. That's not fair to the other teams who worked really hard, such as TCU, who worked hard to be undefeated. And you can't not that the Big 12 is not a weak conference. It's not that they're not. The teams that TCU played, most of them were ranked or previously ranked. And these are the schools. Oklahoma was ranked earlier in the season, and they beat them. Oh, Oklahoma State, who had Spencer Saunders, who in the preseason was projected to win the Heisman. He, he, they beat out a Heisman candidate. They beat the University of Texas. With Kuwait and Ewers, the number one quarterback recruit in the nation, and their defense held BJ Robinson below and first turnover and forced turnovers against BJ Robinson. And they made Quinn Ewers look like a, like an actual redshirt freshman. So they were able to compete with those teams. Baylor, who was ranked, they were able to beat them in the last second. So their resume wasn't just they beat lesser teams, they beat tough competing teams in the Big 12. And let's let's talk about the UT game for a second too. TCU beat UT seventeen to ten at the end. Alabama faced off against UT the, the same year. They lost. They won twenty to nineteen. Now, if Quentin Ewers would never got hurt that game, Alabama's not winning. That's just hands down. If you saw the game and you saw the absolute dimes Quentin Ewers was throwing against that Alabama defense, they were not going to win if Quentin Ewers didn't get hurt. Quentin Ewers got hurt. That's when the game kind of got. A little bit swayed to Alabama's side. Bryce Young was able to pull off the win. But even then, they went in with a backup quarterback and still barely won the game. UT, it was a winnable game for the Longhorns. It wasn't like they were out. It wasn't like they were blown out. They were that close as much as uh, TCU was to Kansas State. They were right there to win it. But with TCU and UT, it was a close fight until the end. But they still won by a larger margin. By a larger margin here. So that's what the TCU brought to the table to the committee that they should not be punished for losing the championship game when Alabama wasn't even selected to go to the SEC championship. So why would you reward a team that didn't even make their conference championship and reward them with a spot in the playoffs? Now we bring in Ohio State. Ohio State only lost one game, and that was to the Michigan Wolverines, who are ranked number two. They got their butts kicked, too. That's not hidden. They got their butts kicked by J.J. McCarthy, who is a good quarterback in his own right, but he's not even their best player. It was the running back who was the best player. And they and he was able to outsign CJ Strode, a Heisman Trophy finalist. They actually released the, the Heisman Trophy race, which I will get to in the next episode. But for now, we're talking about Ohio State here. 
They only lost one game, and that was to the number two or number three in the nation. I apologize. They were number three at the time, Michigan. And that was going to be a boxing fight till the end. But obviously, Michigan ran away with the game. They were able to show up Ohio State. They still look at the record. They only lost one game compared to Alabama losing two. So they were right there. And then USC obviously came in with their record. That's how they became number four. Because USC had a great record as well. So it was a tight race between two to five or two to six. Because they were all undefeated in some sort of way or they had a really good record. Now, like I said, with USC losing, that dropped them out because they weren't even close. They were close, but they were not close, like super close like TCU was to Kansas State. They lost by 20 points. Kansas, uh, Kansas State beat TCU by a field goal in overtime. By an inch, TCU lost. Ohio State was right there behind USC because of the one loss that they had. And they lost to a top-ranked team, a top-five college football team. So it wasn't like they were being punished for, you know, losing to a not-great team. They went down to number five because they lost to number three. Alabama lost to a top-ranked team in Tennessee, and I believe that they were higher-ranked than LSU. And LSU beat them. So Alabama didn't deserve it this year. It's just a hard fact that everyone needs to understand this year that Alabama did not deserve to go to the college football playoffs. And just because you're Nick Saban in Alabama does not give you an automatic pass to the playoffs. That can only go so far. And I believe another argument from Shannon Sharp was that people were losing and they were dropping. So why didn't TCU drop? Now, I understand that because I honestly believe TCU was going to go to number four. And they were going to put someone at three because of it. The fact that they didn't move was a little bit of a shock to me because I thought they at least would have moved down a pit, like one little tier, but they didn't. And that's, that's with the committee. That's something with them. But I still stand by the statement of Alabama lost two games this season compared to one that TCU lost in the Big 12 championship. They did not lose in the middle of the regular season to a team that they probably should have beat. Now, should they have beaten Kansas State this past weekend for the Big 12 title? Yes. Did they? No, but they should have not been punished. And USC dropping the ball bad this past weekend as well, they deserve to probably go down. Like I said, if they would have not lost as big of a margin as they did, they probably would have stayed at four, but they didn't. So now that's what the committee has to look at. And I'm glad that they they went with this direction because it's not Alabama didn't just sneak their way in with two losses. You're not going to get away with two losses. And I think that's great that the committee did that and told Alabama, you do not run college football. We do. Just because you're Nick Saban in Alabama, you're not going to get in. You're not getting your free pass. So thank you to the committee for that one. And may the best team win out there. I'm rooting for the Big 12, though. I got the Big 12. Hopefully, it's going to be a great game. We will cover those games whenever they arrive, I believe. The first one is December 31st with Ohio State and Georgia. And then January 1st on New Year's is going to be Michigan and TCU. So that's going to be some great games. I'm really excited for those games. Now, to kind of finish off this first episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing some week 14 picks for the NFL today to kind of wrap things up and let's see how we do. So let me know how you guys did, if you guys agree with my picks or y'all don't. So the first first one is going to be Thursday Night Football. It's going to be the Raiders versus the Rams. I have the Rams. I don't think they're out of, like, on a, they were not, they're not on a bad train, train ride yet. They're still in it to get in the playoffs. The Raiders haven't had a good season. I think Jalen Ramsey and the Devontae Adams matchup is going to be crazy and it's going to be exciting. So, but I have the Rams winning in a close game. Houston and the Cowboys. I got Houston. I got not Houston. I got the Dallas Cowboys in 30. How about them Cowboys? They're making the playoffs. They're going to try to continue their run to get either to the top of the NFC East to pass the Eagles or to keep that top spot in the wild card. And it's a possibility. They're not out of it. They can catch the Eagles. They just need the Eagles to start losing. But I got the Cowboys winning the Battle of Texas. Next up, the Bills and the Jets. The Jets bench Zach Wilson. They are running with Mike White. But I think the Bills defense is going to be a little too much for the Jets offense. Josh Allen having a great season. But I think Josh Allen just needs to limit the turnovers. He's had a lot this season. He has almost, I believe he's tied with Matt Ryan with the most interceptions. Or he may have one less than Matt Ryan with the most interceptions this season. He may be first or second, but I think Josh Allen and that offense is too loaded to lose to the Jets. I got the Bills winning that game. Cleveland versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I got the Cincinnati Bengals because they're they're a hot team right now. They're on fire. They just knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I've got Cincinnati winning. I think, like I said earlier, Watson is rusty. He's not going to get it right probably coming up. But I have the Bengals winning it in that game. Vikings versus the Lions. I'm going with the underdog here. I got the Lions going. Uh, Williams, the running back, Donovan Swift, Jared Goff, and Amont Ross A. Brown. They're a good matchup, and I think that Kirk Cousins' luck is going to end soon, and I think this is the game. But I have in a close game. I say 27-24. The Lions are going to win that game. Jacksonville and the Titans, I think the Titans are going to win. They're going to want kind of that kind of try to make the playoffs. Again, Derrick Henry is probably going to have a big game against that Jaguars team. But I will say a surprise, though, uh, Etienne Jr. is showing out this year after they traded away James Robinson. And, I mean, if you have fantasy and you held out for him like I did this year, I held out that Etienne was going to play, and he did. He's, sh- he's doing really well, but I don't know if he'll do better than Derrick Henry. So I got the Titans winning that game. Philly versus the Giants. I got the Philadelphia Eagles winning against the Giants. Just because of this, the Giants will go only as far as Saquon Barkley will carry them. And that's and that proves that I can only go so far. If that defense can stop Saquon Barkley, then they're going to not win the game. The Philadelphia Eagles offense is also just too good against the defense. So I got Philadelphia winning. Next up, Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. I got the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're going to run the ball well enough. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers have not been the best this year. They had too many QB changes with um, uh, Mike with Trubisky and their first-round pick this year. It's just a lot of confusion. They're trying to figure themselves out. So I got Baltimore probably winning that game in a close one. It's probably going to be like what happened with the Broncos and the Ravens this past week. It's probably going to be like a really low-scoring game, and it's going to come down to defense. Next up, the 49ers or the Bucks. I got the upset. I got the Buccaneers knocking off the 49ers, and here is why. They are running with a quarterback that's never played a single down in his life, and Purdy, obviously he had a decent game last uh, this past week against the Dolphins, but the Bucks' defense is better than the Dolphins' defense, and we've seen that, and we've seen the level that they can play at, and with Brady's win against the Saints this week, he's going to probably want to continue, you know, kind of keep, kind of get a hot streak going, and... That defense against the 49ers is the best in the NFL, arguably the best. But I think the 49ers will tough it out. And if it comes down to a close game with a minute left, you definitely don't want the ball in Tom Brady's hands. As we showed, he can get you the game-winning ones. But I got the Bucks with the upset against the 49ers. Next up, Seattle versus Carolina. Seattle's going to win that one for sure. Like I said, Carolina is probably in that rebuild mode. And I don't know if Sam Darnold will, will be enough to beat Geno Smith's career year he's having. Geno Smith, you know, revising his career in Seattle. They're doing well. I got Seattle winning that one. Next up, I got the Dolphins and the Chargers. I got the Dolphins. I think they're going to want some uh, little rebound against the 49ers after losing really bad. I don't think the Chargers are going to have enough to beat uh, two on that offense. So I got the Dolphins winning that one in Sunday night. Lastly, the Patriots versus the Cardinals. I actually got the Patriots beating the Cardinals in this one because there's a lot of turmoil going on with the Arizona Cardinals right now with Kyler Murray. I know there's a lot of distrust. Cliff Kingsbury might be out the door, which personally I don't think it should be Cliff Kingsbury. I think that Kyler Murray needs to step up as a player. And there's obviously a lot of tension between him and the team right now and just messing up the chemistry. The New England Patriots, though, have a strong running back in Stevenson. And if he can get going hot in the game, that'll obviously open it up for Matt Jones and the offense. So I got the Pats winning in a close game. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And that'll wrap up the first episode of this podcast.